into another installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Uh, this week, we've got two episodes. Zach on film out this week, but we've got a special treat for you. We've got uh, Chris Roberson over there at uh, Dynamite Entertainment has written the first issue of The Man of Bronze. Doc, Doc Savage uh, f- um, came out this week. We're going to do a cover-by-cover cover or page-by-page page director's commentary, if you will, of uh, the issue. So, Chris, thanks for joining us, taking the time. Well, happy to do it. All right. So, first question. The cover, Alex Ross, wonderful. Do you get it to uh, do you get to uh, throw in any comments, suggestions, etc., or does Alex just say, "Here you go, kid"? Well, it's interesting. Um, I think you know. For example, I, I've been working on the Shadow for a little while and, and did masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those cases, basically, I would give Alex. Um, a description of the basic plot or maybe like some thematic elements and he would just take it and go do something. And, but there's much more of uh, a collaboration on these covers. Um, there is a whole lot more back and forth. Um, so we've gone, but there've been a few notions before this idea was hit upon and which was fairly early on. Um, the pencil version of this cover was done by July. It was pretty early on. Oh, okay. Um, and it it there was uh, a kind of like feedback loop where I would suggest things that he might include in this kind of layout, and also things he included. I decided to incorporate into future stories. Um, so, for example, the the in the lower right hand corner, you see this group of characters that we don't know. Yes, that's what um, I was just going to get to because I just was noticing that. Going, holy crap, is that? Wait a minute. Yeah, like who are those people? Yeah, and the thing is, is is a very similar lineup, virtually identical with a few minor tweaks, was in Alex's first pencil rough layout, mm-hmm. um, and he said they were just placeholders, and you know we could re- replace them with whomever. But my notes for later um, aides and associates were pretty rough at that point, and so I said, no, I'll just use this as a starting place. If you can change this character slightly this way and do this thing with this character, um, I'll just base it around those guys. And so that is the 2013 Doc Savage crew. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious because you got a guy that definitely looks like he's a throwback to the late 60s, and then... uh someone all in spandex and it's it's very when i caught that earlier i was like holy crap we're actually looking ahead not just a throwback because in the upper left hand corner you have uh the crew as they were in the 1930s and then down in the lower right hand it's like we are going through time in this cover yeah and also the 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 jet was something that that alice had suggested um you know kind of a, a a late 20th century successor to the various Hidalgo uh, uh, trading company aircraft. Oh yeah. Um, but also on the upper left, you, you know, you see Doc kind of more in a Bamhofer look. The mm-hmm. um, one of the, we we could talk about this in a minute, but one of the directions that I I gave to uh, uh, Bill Quisevoli, the interior artist, was that in this first issue, Doc should not be as physically imposing a figure. He's a right. younger man. Um, he looks, he's more like a, like a Clark Gable physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he ages, he ages into the James Bama Superman. Excellent. Um, so I did see a few reviews that were a little flummoxed by the fact that he seemed like a younger guy and he didn't seem as big <laughs> and muscled. And I was like, 
you know, give us time. Uh, let, let us put a few years on him, and then he'll get there. So this story is taking place in 38, 33? When is this story taking place? 1933, yeah. Okay, so it's basically set immediately after the events of the first issue of Doc Savage magazine, uh, Man of Bronze. Okay. So as we look at uh, page one, we're getting a narrator that yeah. is... Uh, I'm guessing from what we learn later on is someone that is recounting this from the far future, from 2013. It's somebody from the present day looking back. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the other thing that kind of struck me as odd, I don't remember, and again, we talked last time when we talked Doc Savage, I don't remember him interacting with you know historical figures or people that were popular at the time, and yet immediately we're injecting Albert Einstein into this. Um, you, it was, to... it was, that was a kind of, I wanted to establish quickly that I wanted to show in the first issue, um, with as little, uh, you know, hanging signs on things as possible that doc was both an intellectual and a healer and not, if not a pacifist, then at least someone who, who really valued life. Okay. Um, and I discovered that. For a brief span in the early 30s, Einstein was at Princeton mm -hmm. um, uh, at the uh, the Advanced Studies Institute, the Institute of Advanced Studies. And I just thought that that is, would be the perfect shorthand to show Doc is a smart guy uh, to have Einstein impressed by his idea. Oh, yeah. And we don't know what that idea is because uh, you've taken the chalkboard behind and scratched it all out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we, it's not was, important. It's, it, it's not. It's what what is what his findings here are are actually not that significant. It, it's just one of his current projects. When you write, uh, and I guess depending on which publisher you're with, I don't know if you use the same style or if you adopt a different style. But how do you and in, in, um, Bill Quest Evely um, work and communicate to figure out what you want on the page? So uh, in, in virtually, well, it, the collaboration can differ from project to project, even within a single publisher. Um, but typically what I do is I'll, I'll write down all the panel descriptions first and then layer in the text. And then so what this what, but then I also put in the bottom of the document. It's a word document. Mm -hmm. um, I put um, inline jpeg images for image reference oh okay so in the in the back the back matter of the comiXology digital exclusive version of the issue there's actually a few pages of of script excerpts excellent and and throughout it says you know see below for image rep and i'm finding that i do on average more image reference for a doc savage script than for any other comic i've ever done um i just finished writing issue three last week it's a 20 two-page uh, comic. The script itself clocked in at about 24 pages, 25 pages. Wow. Um, of of single-space text. And there are 17 pages of JPEGs <laughs> um, of reference for everything. So in this, in, in this issue, there's reference for all the locations. There's reference for, for fashion and for appearances and technology and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, because we get to see um, uh, Ham and uh, Monk uh, pop in right at the right time. Perfect, uh, perfect introduction to get the uh, the doc name in there. And, of course, uh, Ham is, uh, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, Ham is supposed to be this dapper uh, guy. And I guess by today's standards, we would see a suit like that and may think a little differently. 
But in the 1933s, he was the best dressed man in America, one yeah. of the 10 best dressed men in America. Whatever yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, we go on to the next page and we see Doc riding, uh, you know, on the sideboard like he uh, is depicted oftentimes in the comics. Really great. You were talking about doing a lot of reference for the city, and this becomes a big issue um, later on in the story. But did mm-hmm. you have to do a lot of historical research to find out what the layout of the, I mean, the city grid isn't going to change, but what the buildings were and what markers oh, yeah. look like from yeah. certain parts of the city? Yeah, so um, I, I spent a considerable amount of time finding photo reference from the period. So um, in, in the script were included black and white photos from the early 30s of what all these buildings in these areas looked like at the time. Excellent. Are you a, are you familiar with this site called Shorpy.com? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, you should check it out because they've got these huge, it's just an archive of photos that people submit. And some of them go back to like the 1920s and 30s, black and white. And these things are off negatives that are like five by seven negatives. And then you blow them up. You can download them in the super high resolution. It's fantastic to look at New York and Chicago and and cities the way they looked back in the uh, in in that time period. I'll definitely check it out. I'll tell you that that Google image search has been an indescribable boon to the the comic book scripter. Oh, I'm sure. I, I can't I can't I can't underestimate uh how how much it has it has benefited us. There is something going on in the upper atmosphere that's causing everyone to go nuts and um man, woman and child, but apparently not animals in this case. Or at least that's um, not what we're let on. I mean Doc does his own experiments later on. Yeah. I can't I I will have to look at the page. I don't okay. recall. All right. Yeah. Well, it's the one with the car turned over and people kicking and fighting yeah, yeah. and fighting in the yeah. streets. Um, police are I, putting up barricades. Like in, in, in Midtown Manhattan, you wouldn't have much more than like pigeons and maybe a few dogs mm-hmm. and rats. So maybe the animals are going crazy, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, and I also like how because it is where it's it's located that Doc's other aides are able to rush up quickly and. Uh, and say, hey, we're already here. Don't go in that barrier area. Uh, Rennie is already going crazy. Already went in there and is going crazy, too. Yeah. Then, let's see. Uh, a couple pages of fighting. Everything goes back to normal. And then we get into the uh, 86th floor of the world's t- tallest building. I just love how no one ever, even in the books, would never reference the Empire State Building. They never say Empire State Building. Never. And in fact, um, uh, in, in Phil Farmer's Doc Savage's Apocalyptic Life, he actually goes to some pains to prove textually that it is the Empire State Building. <laughs> well, um, there wouldn't have been yeah. any other taller building at the time. Even the Chrysler building it's, would have been shorter. It's the only thing it can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, nice, yep. uh, nice inclusion of the pig. Yeah, we weren't able to get chemistry on the page yet. He shows up in issue three. So somebody asked me in an interview if we were going to get get both the pig and the, the, the monkey in. And I said, <laughs> well, we'll get them there eventually. Excellent. Um, but some great, I'm just, uh, some great art here. I really like, I, I don't mind a younger looking doc because he was always younger than the rest of the crew. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, this would be after the Man of Bronze book, uh, as you said. Uh, so he's, he's lost ma- his he's father. Maybe, he's maybe uh, around 30 at this point. Yeah. Um, early 30s at the oldest. 
Uh, so then the other thing I guess that shocked me, and this was, uh, I know this is something that we've talked about is technology through the times. And I guess mm-hmm. the, the next day when the Aurora starts causing people to go crazy again, everyone's walking around with these very small walkie talkies. And at first I was like, oh no, don't tell me that they're bringing in, you know, cellular technology or something like this back in the thirties. And it was doc. But then I thought, you know, walkie talkies, if Doc Savage had his hand on it, they would be a lot smaller than the, you know, like the World War II phone walkies that you see uh, in yeah, the that's, archive that's, photographs. That's 1933 future technology. You yeah. know, that that is um, from the world of tomorrow that only Doc and his crew have. Which I really, really like. Yeah. Uh, we've got mapping of the city. So I'm guessing, again, you went back, found old map references to... Uh, uh, I spent so much time looking for a map of Manhattan from... At, at or just before 1933 that was at least a couple of hours or so where do, where do you go are you doing everything via google or are you going uh, do yeah. you have to go to new right. york and do Nearly. go to any historical societies or anything oh no i no i don't have the time or budget for that it's all online okay yeah. <sighs> so some interesting uh uses of um uh, these radio transmitters later that we'll find out uh, tracking it down. Doc uh, starts meddling in the lab, and we've got some cool things with the uh, with the mice, and we discover that it's radio waves uh, causing some problems. And then Doc needs to figure out a way to uh, to solve the problem. And by the uh, time the the next day arrives, I guess this is three days out. Um, everybody's ready with the uh, the gas bullets or the mercy bullets. Yeah. The you know we, none the the issues won't have titles as such, but in my head each of them is is a pulp novel, and so they all have very, very kind of Lester Dent esque names. Oh yeah. So the name for this adventure is the Savage Hour. Oh cool. Um, and it's it's a week of days in which there is a Savage Hour a day. Um, but then I decided not to ever use the title anywhere. <laughs> So um, I think John Cassidy will be including the title for issue four on the cover in a kind of, you know, homage to the kind of pulp layouts. Oh, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, it just exists solely inside my own head. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a very cool title. Uh, yeah. I like that the, the, the Mercy Bullets are here. Um, But I always thought that they were, they were a rubber bullet with... Um, the I checked. That's the the description here is actually drawn directly from wow. uh, one of the Lester Dent novels. Excellent, man! You've done your research in and out on this. I take this seriously. <laughs> no, I'm glad. <laughs> be, believe me, I'm I'm glad you do. Um, let's see, who's that up in the tower? Is that Rennie watching the city? Um, no, that's that's long time. Oh, so long like time, he's okay. doing all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, uh, just, I think you really captured each of the, the characters, unique voices in here, um, which is something that can be challenging. Um, and it worked out really well, uh, going forward. And then we get to this reveal, the Chrysler building with our bad guy inside. And he doesn't have technology that looks like future technology in 1933. He looks like he's using 1933 technology. Yeah. Um, and so there's something going on with him, but, uh, it is a, it's an interesting reveal because at first you may be thinking, well, who is this guy? Is he one of Doc's friends because of the, the way the facial features kind of look a little bit alike, 
but then very quickly <laughs> we realize that he's the mad, the mad scientist. He's the mad scientist. They, they laughed at me at the Academy and soon I'll prove them all yeah, wrong. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was great. Um, and then we get to this moment, uh, where doc realizes that they can block if everybody wears their, their tinfoil hats, so to speak, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we can block the radio waves from drawing us crazy. And I love the, um, you know, the goggles that he wears in the laboratory and that he's very proper, uh, properly dressed for laboratory, uh, time. You know, it's not just regular clothing. I've got to put on the white coat and the goggles for everything that I'm doing. But still with the tie on because yes. he's a gentleman. He's yeah. very proper. But then the next day, and this is the part where I was like, oh yes, the next day when the Aurora pops out and doc has outfitted everyone with their, uh, with their metal hats, widow peak time. Or widow fro time. Yeah, yeah. Was that intentional to do it that way? Yeah. Uh, so the, the the reference that I provided was actually um, uh, um, Merlin from the movie Excalibur. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was it was exactly the look I wanted. And it's an oblique reference um, to Philip Jose Farmer's theory that uh, the doc's hair is actually a skullcap. Um there's a chapter in which Phil Farmer in Doc Savage's Apocalyptic Life cites any number of times in which uh, Dent describes water beating on um, uh, Doc's skin in weird ways mm-hmm. or saying something about how he something was cold between his skins and the description of his hat, of his hair. Mm-hmm. And the supposition was that, like, he is wearing a skin-tight uh, bodysuit of protective material. Oh wow! Um, and it, this doesn't privilege that theory as being true, but was just a little fanish nod to like the reason his hair looks like that on the bomber covers is because that's what that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I thought that was great, and it'll be interesting. Are you going to? I, I don't know if you want to give this away. Are you going to transition to that hair style? Yeah. In, the, in the future, or is it going to stay to the if, nice? Uh, if you look at his hairline, um, both on the upper left corner of the, the Ross cover, mm-hmm. but also with Bilquis's drawings, you can see that he's kind of got that widow's peak underneath the swoop of his hair. Okay. And so as he gets older, he just starts wearing his hair essentially in a crew cut. Um, and it kind of follows those lines. Excellent. So it doesn't get quite as dramatic as some of the Bama covers. Yeah. But it does get closer to that look. Long time than the Matt Thing Idol, you know, style oh, sure. of the nineteen thirties. I, you know, I thought the I like this hairstyle. I did you ever look up last time we talked? I'd mentioned that Doc Savage one six scale of figure. Did you ever go oh, check yeah, that yeah, out? I've seen it. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's cool because they have both uh, faces and heads that you can pop off uh, depending on what hairstyle you like. And you know, until I really realized, uh, because again, I grew up just reading the Bama covered stuff. Until I realized that he had a comb over. Um, I just really like that comb over style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so long time realizes that, wait a minute, the phone call is coming from inside the building. Yeah. Um, and of course rushes out and doc and his crew are trying to help. Um, and so then doc has to go and investigate over the next couple of pages and confronts the evil mad scientist. Um, and then doc does something that I thought was a little, um, very doc where he tries to talk the, the madman down. Um, but then the madman, I don't think he jumps. He slips, doesn't he? He falls. Yeah. Yeah. And then doc, uh, dives off the side and rescues him and then whips out another gadget, which if we talk about how doc Savage influences Superman and how doc Savage influences Batman, 
Uh, he's got a, a, you know, essentially a batarang, a, a gun, a grapple gun. He's got a grapple gun, yep. That he'll fire off to uh, save the guy. But the guy does, uh, the guy does hit his head on the way down. I mean, that's one of the things about the Empire State Building that, you know, people are always like, oh, people will jump off and commit suicide. Uh, there's actually all those platforms yeah, and yeah. the way the architecture that you're not going to hit the street very easily. You're going to hit a ledge. And it that's gets exactly wider. What the, happens the here. Gets, yeah. 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 All right, so uh, they have to perform emergency surgery, and because this is a very uh, big spectacle, Doc takes him to a normal hospital, and I like this as another thing that you and I talked with uh, about before, was that he didn't take him upstate to perform the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the wire up the nose trick. Yeah. Um, or as you say it here, the treatment. Yep. And Which I, he would have done had had you know they it not been in such public view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the second issue, we find out about the treatment and the college and everything. Excellent. Uh, and then this ends, I think, very nicely with uh, with our unconscious mad scientist who we don't know his name. Um, I don't know. It kind of looks like a little smile there. Maybe he's, he's, he's unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think in the in the script direction, it was just you know. He's, He's unconscious. Yeah. And yeah. I also, and I still like the, the discussion and again, bringing up the morals of, of doc Savage in that last page where, um, monk is basically saying, well, why would you save this guy? He's a criminal. You should have just let him go. And, uh, why risk your life? And then doc says, Hey, you know, we have this, this right, this, this duty to help people regardless of, of who they are. And I thought that was yep. a nice way to tie up the, uh, tie that up and and uh, reinforce what doc is all about. Well, I, I had, I had hoped that I would be able to get the entire oath in somewhere, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't feasible with the amount of, with the amount of story that we covered and the amount of pages that we had. Right. Um, but I, I at least wanted to mention that they had sworn an oath and get some of the most important language of it across. So that's what that's about. Remind me, is this an ongoing or is this a limited series? Well, it'll really depend on how it does. Um, you know, Dynamite typically approach these things. They'll they'll plan for a certain number of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, eight. And then if it does well, we'll keep going. Okay. So, All right. So are, do you think that you're able to get, I mean, you have to get your entire story told in the eight issues, but are you finding it difficult to try and pack in as much um, Doc Savage history, lore, mythos, everything into this, as well as advancing a story forward? Um, Not difficult, I would say it's part of the it's an interesting it's problem solving that's an interesting part of the challenge is to you know showcase different aspects of the character that i think are important um and the second issue the the one regret that i have about the structure of our story is that setting a story in 1933 means that we can't have patricia savage right because she didn't come on the scene yet right and so we get a lot of pat in issue two which is set in 1949 Shortly after the events of the final Doc Savage magazine issue. Excellent. Um, of course, it wasn't Doc Savage magazine by that point. I think it was Doc Savage science detective or something like that. Um, but yeah, so we'll get a lot of Pat in the second issue. And in the third issue, then everything goes crazy. So, yeah. And cannot wait. I mean, and the and the plan is to jump every decade in this, in the issues. Is that the so what will happen is, is the main action of each story will start moving ahead uh, roughly a dozen years. Uh, every issue, but then we'll start having flashbacks, right? So we'll come back to to eras 
that will be more familiar to longtime readers and also fill in the gaps in between as we advance the story. Okay. So each of the first six issues is essentially a standalone. It's the conclusion of a different adventure roughly a dozen years after the last one. But through flashbacks and discussions and, and, and things like that, we'll find out what has happened in the interim. We'll revisit the original guys. Um, they're never going to go away in that they're always going to be there in the 30s and 40s. But we're also going to introduce new cast of characters gradually that will be with Doc in later eras. And so that going forward, ideally, if we were able to do more stories, we could do stories that took place anywhere along that timeline. So Excellent. we could do a story that that starts in the thirties and then maybe jumps ahead to the sixties and then maybe jumps ahead to the present day or it starts in the eighties and flashes back to something that happened in the forties, you know, really the, the, there's any number of ways to do it. Right. Um, so longtime readers shouldn't think that like there's, you know, that this means they're saying farewell forever to the original crew uh, as the series progresses. It's just, we're going to meet new people that we'll also be spending time with. Along, alongside them. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting because, as you indicated with the cover, with the future, the present day team, that means that the others aren't there. And so I don't know if you if you deal with the passing of characters or if the characters actually pass or not uh, of the other teammates. That but that'll be an interesting... I think that we're going to be relatively coy about that. Okay. Um, in the third issue, uh, Monk and Ham are still on the team, but they're older. Okay. Um, because it's it's a few decades on. Uh, there's a reference to Long Tom being in retirement, but like sending vital information. Mm -hmm. I don't think it, it would. It almost feels disrespectful to like have any of them die. So I don't think that'll happen. Right. I think that they will retire, um, and and that'll be that. You know, like we'll come back to them when we when we can. Sure. Um, the reason that Doc is able to remain vital for eight decades is actually something that will be directly addressed in issue three and will be hinted at in issue two. Okay. And um, I think you, you had said that this is tied into one of the previous yeah. uh, stories. It, this picks up a thread that was introduced and then, you know, kind of put to one side in a Lester Denton novel. Um, and for longtime readers, you can check it out. It's Fear K. Yeah. Um, um, what Doc what Doc says at the end of Fear K is not true. Okay. Uh, Want to go back and check? Okay. Um, but but that'll all be made really explicit within the next two issues. Um, and it it becomes something that becomes a new um kind of driving motivation for Doc mm -hmm. because he 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 basically feels that he's he makes a mistake. Um. Without giving too much away, that that's what happens in the course of the next few issues. Excellent. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, I was going to say. So then, if we're looking at what seventy, eighty years, um, some of these characters would have to be over a hundred if they're alive and into. Well, yeah, we won't be seeing them again. Like, so yeah. basically, I, I I don't want to. You know, let's not put uh, 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 you know Rennie on stage. You know, as as a decrepit guy you know, needing an iron lung or anything, you know, like right, right. they will remain on stage so long as they're vital uh, and can contribute and then will gracefully retire off panel um, when they're, when it's no longer feasible for them to be on the team. I think that's a wise, wise decision because if you just said, Hey, off panel, so-and-so died 
or passed away five years ago or whatever. You're going to eat up too much of your storytelling dealing with that. Um, but at the same time, you're also going to make a lot of people angry. Yeah. And I, I that's completely unnecessary. I, I, I have no desire to do that. Yeah. Um, so you're pretty pleased with this first issue. I thought it was a solid issue. I, I really did. Um, well, thank you. It was, it was not what I expected. Um, which is good because too often times, you know, Doc Savage stories kind of started to fall into a, a pattern. You know, you knew by the end of chapter one, kind of what the big setup for everything was. Uh, this, yeah. did, this did keep me guessing. I like the introduction of the mad scientist and the, um, potential fallout from, from these actions. Uh, I thought, it, I thought it was solid and I'm excited and I, I want to read more of, um, of this in the future. So I hope that it goes on uh, for a long time. Well, thank you. I, I, I have to, I will admit that I'm very pleased with how it turned out. Um, you know, I have been, I've been pleased with all the work that I've done, basically all my, all the comics work that I've done. Sure. But this is a character that, um, I have admired for a long time and that means a lot to me. And so it was important to me to communicate in hopefully an entertaining way, what I thought were the core qualities of the character. Um, hopefully that works for people that are longtime fans and also, you know, introduces that character to people that aren't. Um, but if not, if it doesn't, at least I'm satisfied that I've done that. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, that's, that's perfectly understandable. And you know, you, you can't please everyone. Right. There are going to be some I, I, people I, I, that are upset. I absolutely know that. Yeah. yeah. So have you heard then directly from any, I mean, it's only been a day since this uh, book has been out since uh, at the time that this is re- being recorded. Have you heard from any doc Savage fan societies or sites or anything feedback from them? Or has it just been through the comic book community feedback? It's all been the comics folks so far. Um, I've not heard back from anybody, you know, I've not heard any discussion from from the any any kind of pulp aficionados. Okay. Um so yeah, I don't know. The comics people by and large seem to like it. Um and I've had a couple of professionals, some of them fairly long established storied professionals, uh just write to me to say that they enjoyed it, that they liked it. So that was that was really nice. Excellent. Well I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, go over this. I know we went through it um kind of quickly, but I didn't want to spoil too much for people who haven't read the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the way, because there's some really good dialogue in here uh, that I again, I really think captures the the characters well. Um, and there's some great action. Um, you know, just this scene of Doc trying to save the madman is great. Uh, so people should go and check that out. Uh, Doc Savage, number one from Dynamite Entertainment. Um, Chris, another announcement came across uh, either yesterday or today. You're going to write Sovereign for Image Comics. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, uh, sure. Um, Sovereign is um, for people that are well versed in the terms of literary uh, 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 fantasy genre stuff. It is a secondary world epic fantasy. Um, it is. So what that means is it takes place entirely in an invented world um, with invented cultures and languages and whatnot and has magic and supernatural stuff and dudes with swords. Um, it's being drawn by Paul Mayberry. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was previously probably best known for Aqualeon, but who's for the last year or so been one of the writer, one of the artists on Catalyst comics for Dark Horse. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a big crazy story with uh, uh, masked uh, undertakers and uh, 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 civil wars over uh, contested thrones and uh, uh, magical powers and all kinds of craziness. And uh, there's a few preview pages that are available. 
online, and the first issue comes out in March um, from Image. And it doesn't quite look like any other comic out there. That's which good. is one which was the goal. Yeah. So, so um, interesting. I, I guess because you also own your own digital comic book company, and you're it looks like Edison Rex is doing really well, and and uh, the other stuff from that. Why was this not? Why did you not go through Monkey Brain Comics uh, for digital distribution first, as opposed to going right to Image? Um, because I, I don't think one, I don't think one size fits all. Okay. Um, and I'm really keen to explore other possibilities. So for much the same reason that Mysterious Strangers came out through Oni, mm-hmm. um, which also happened after Monkey Brain, um, I wanted to try to do, cause I, you know, I think Image does fantastic stuff and oh, I thought sure. it was worth a shot. Yeah. Um, um, Maybe it will reach a different readership than a monkey brain book would. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's an experiment. It's throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Well, I know we're getting more and more people interested in, in the titles coming out from Monkey Brain and from you. Um, I know a couple of our writers have started to be converts and, and checking out those uh, titles on a regular basis. So that's good. Oh, and so hopefully, good yeah, hopefully sales are are, are going well for you. Um, how many books are you working on at any one time? You're, you said you just finished uh, issue three of Doc Savage. You've got Sovereign coming out in March. What else are you working on? Uh, besides, uh, you got Edison Rex uh, still going on at Monkey Brain. Uh, I'm writing uh, Aliens for Dark Horse, being okay. drawn by uh, uh, Patrick Reynolds. Um, at the moment, I think I've got four things I'm writing scripts for at any given month. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was six. Wow. So anywhere between four and six. And so four is a good number because I can do one script a week. Yeah. Um, and, six and is, is how, a little bit much. Is that how you approach it? Do you say, hey, this week I'm working on this book, this week yeah. I'm working on this book, or do you parallel yeah. stuff? Okay. Um, well, you know, there's, I'm always, you know, things are always kind of cooking in the back brain. But in terms of um, um, – what I'm actually getting up and sitting down and, and doing research for and writing for. Ideally it's one thing a week when I'm doing five or six titles at a time, it means that I have to turn out three scripts every two weeks, mm-hmm. um, which means that I have to finish one by Wednesday or Thursday, start another one or th- on Thursday or Friday, finish it by Tuesday or Wednesday, and then start another one to finish by Friday, which there's something about the almost circadian rhythms of finishing a thing by Friday and yeah. starting fresh on Monday yeah. that gives a kind of psychological satisfaction to my work week that I don't have if work is unfinished on Friday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, under, I understand that a lot. You work out of the home, right? Or do you have an office that you no. go to? Yeah, I work out of the house. That, and that makes it a little bit easier when you're done with that week, then you know that you've got the weekend to just relax and do whatever you want as opposed to, oh, that Well, no, then I have to do all the monkey specter, Yeah, that specter there's of the book is hanging over. <laughs> There's no such thing as free time. Dude. Oh. When I finish scripting, I've got to go uh, uh, do formatting and layouts and promotional stuff for Monkey Brain. Yeah. Um, but it means that I, I – though that's a very different kind of um, – uh, task. It uses a different part of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the very least I can relax the parts of my brain that are responsible for scripting and use the more mechanical parts of my brain that are responsible for, for messing around in InDesign or Photoshop or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess the part of it too is 
And I, I know exactly where you're coming from by no, no uh, rest, no, no relaxation time, uh, time off. Um, but at least you probably have that satisfaction of knowing that, hey, I'm working 90 hours a week for me as opposed to 90 hours a week for the man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I never, well, I try never to complain. Occasionally I will bemoan the amount of work that I'm doing. Um, but it would be really uncharitable and ungracious of me to complain about the amount of time that I have to spend, uh, working on dream jobs. So yeah, um, it's all things that I enjoy. So I, I don't mind at all. I spend my, most of my evenings doing interviews or, or press or promotion and stuff. And I spend my days writing scripts. And I spend my weekends, uh, doing, uh, various Adobe products. And, uh, it's pretty awesome. Excellent. 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 So the next issue of doc Savage, this is going to release on a regular monthly schedule. Um, yeah, I assume so. Okay. I've seen, I just, I just got done proofing the lettered and colored pages of it. Uh, earlier today, yesterday. Okay, cool. And then uh, Sovereign in March and Aliens and a bunch of other things uh, coming out from Chris, so be on the lookout for that. So yep. um, thank you again so much, and you have a great week. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right, thanks, Chris.